0: This is episode 218 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today I've got Zach Britton here with me, and we dug deep on. Kitchener-Waterloo, what there is going on there, how investing there works. Uh, In specific case study we dug into was the accessory dwelling unit, which if you were following Bill 23 that was passed in uh, the end of 2022, this basically was going to allow municipalities well, allow people within municipalities to kind of skip the zoning amendment and go straight to three units regardless of what your zoning was. So very similar to what happened with the secondary dwelling unit um, bylaw that was passed, I believe it was back in 2017. This is kind of taking it to the next level among doing other things. I haven't fully read the uh, the uh, bill, but uh, these are some of the, the takeaways that you can see right on the uh, the website for the bill and what it would do as, a, as an overview. So uh, Zach and I dug into that and Uh, it's a juicy case study with a nine percent plus cap rate attached to it as a investment uh, opportunity so it kind of makes the opportunity seem like a no-brainer if you already own property that uh, has the space that you could add in one of these garden suites, accessory dwelling units, or ADUs, depending on how you want to refer to them. Uh, so it was a great combo. Zach's an interesting guy, very well spoken um, and very knowledgeable. Uh, he's educated in business and economics, so he loves to dig into the the stats and nerd out on that stuff. So uh, we had a great combo today. It was a long one, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So just before we get into the episode, uh, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. If you're an audio listener, five stars would be greatly appreciated. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and leave us a comment. Um, ask your questions. What do you want to know about? Uh, is there a topic you'd like to see covered? What do you think here? I uh, would really appreciate it. Just more interaction helps get this podcast out to more people. And if you haven't already checked it out, REI Hot Seat is my deal analysis sister channel. Uh, check it out. The link is in the description. And uh, if you're interested in just getting into the nuts and bolts of, of active deals on the market right now, uh, that's where you want to be. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Zach Britton. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Zach Britton on the show and I should have had you on a while back. We met last year yep. and you were kind enough to help uh, film my campground and for the uh, Canadian real estate channel. Yep.
1: Which was a cool project, really. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so that was uh, sort of the beginning of it. I think actually I, I interviewed you when I was hosting that channel for an update on Kitchener because you're a realtor and you were doing market updates. Correct. And I think you
1: might have been down in Florida getting cooking some with some of that stuff. This might have been like last year before things really started hitting the fan.
0: That's right. Yeah, I've been, uh, been doing some stuff down there. So, Let's uh, let's dig in, Zach. I know we were kind of back and forth. You had some stuff that you wanted to cover today. But, you know, very first thing, let's just get into your story. Tell us about Whoa. why you're here today.
1: Um, so uh, why I'm here today? Is one, I, I I do really like I started getting into the content creation game um, as a way to kind of like build my network and really meet people that kind of thought like me. But um like it's all about real estate <laughs> it's all about real estate
0: baby so uh, your yeah. content creation like I know you were doing a lot for Canadian real estate channel yeah,
1: a lot with Peter and social media mediation the Canadian real estate channel but I just I I realized I was just comfortable being on camera
0: and talking um that's
1: something I kind of figured out in like grade 10 film
0: class well I was gonna put that out there as in your intro that you're a good talker but you you just said <laughs> it so now I don't have to
1: I'll I'll take all that credit but like it wasn't never something that like i really shied away from like presentations in high school in college and in university i'd be like yes like i'm pumped about that because i can communicate well like that but you give me like an assignment or like a test to sit down and like study for i'm just like nah yeah this doesn't really i I can't bring my energy to the table with that i have to if i'm focused for too long i get bored but like my big story is i when i was going through uni Uh, I wanted to get into investing and I have to credit my mom for getting me into an investing was I took a really kind of long path to get to like a career. Um, I mean, for somebody my age, I'm only 31 now, but when I was going through uh, high school, I was like, I'm done with school. Like I was getting good grades. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom was like, okay, like, I know you're going to move out West and like, you know, you know, take a year to figure it out. But like, promise me, you're going to go back to school. And then she gave me a copy of the wealthy barber. And there was two problems one I didn't know anything about investing or business and I had no idea what I wanted to do Two, I like maybe had read five books in my life up until that point like school was very easy for me I never really studied in high school and I had no idea what I wanted to do my mom gave me that book and I was like oh I can just like save a little bit of money and invest in something safe and I can actually like you know be well off kind of a crazy idea and that just really planted the seed
0: why school then I mean a wealthy barber I feel like most of the stuff in there like it's more self-education versus going to school. like Because the school doesn't teach you those concepts. No, I mean, this was like 10 years ago, too.
1: And the expectation at my family was, you know, you're going you to, go school. to school. You're no. going to school.
0: It's it's tradition. You go to school.
1: Right? My sister, my, my dad only did a year or two of college. My mom went to nursing school right after she was done high school. And that's what she did forever and loved it. Um, And here I am having options. You did business school? Yeah, so I did two years at Conestoga College International Business. And then went to Prague for six months as an international student you ever get a chance to go to Czech Republic, great time. Yeah. You, can, you can ball on a budget. People are super nice. Um, and, like, it's just beautiful and clean. And so we did six months there, and I came back, and I realized I didn't want to travel for work. I was in international business. I was traveling for school. I thought that was really cool. And then I realized I was like, I'd much rather, like, work at something I love and then spend my free time traveling. And so, you know, I, I finished off a degree at Guelph for economics and finance. But halfway through that, I realized like I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not. Nobody's hiring me because my marks. You know what I mean? Like I don't have connections with the corporate world. Um, I knew I wanted to be in finance or banking, and that was going to get me somewhere there. But my last year, like, I stopped studying. I stopped like really trying to get good grades because I did the math and I wasn't going to be able to get dean's list. Yeah. And I was like, if my grades aren't going to get me my job, what am I going to do? So I joined every club I could. I started, I helped start an investment fund for the students at the University of Guelph with a couple other guys that were like really into investing in the equity markets. I bought my first investment, which was like a gold ETF with OSAP money. (laughs) Lost 200 bucks, made 500 bucks, put the money back in the OSAP account, never touched it again. and, And was just like, okay, like if I wanted to do something, I'm gonna have to like start meeting people and talking to people and figuring you out- You were actually doing it, right? Because like- the, 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 the seeing the guys on TV or on social media, like they're not talking about banking and investing then. It wasn't like, wasn't like really a cool or like a really important thing that I was finding a lot of. So I was like, you know what? Worst case, I make a lot of friends and maybe i learn something, let's do that. And that was like, boom, perfect. That's how I, you know, really thought of maybe I don't want to, to get a nine to five. I know meet some people that are doing some stuff. And then my business partner now, Matt Phipps convinced me after a couple of beers to quit my job at the bank and get into real estate and away we go.
0: Yeah. So you've been doing a real realtor job for how long?
1: Yeah, that's uh six years and shout out
0: Matt Phipps. Uh,
1: he's my partner. He actually a pretty good story. So my brother-in-law at the time was quitting his job. He was in sales. He was like a recruiter he was doing pretty well, but he had a few investment properties. He's like, you know what? Maybe I'll, I'll do this full time. I said, well, Hey, my, uh, my buddy, Matt just interviewed with, a a real estate team that's growing like crazy young guy at a kitchen who's crushing it and they're looking for, for for new guys you know you're in sales you you have experience in real estate you, you do well so he interviewed he hired my brother-in-law and then was like no 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 like i'm not gonna interview you like i already got my guy and i was like crap i like i was pretty excited like right so i convinced him to give me an interview and he didn't want to hire me and then so i i remember the first time i'd ever like wrote something down before i was gonna like call somebody my heart's like beating in my chest i'm about to call this guy and try and convince him to hire me even though i know he doesn't want to yeah and so like i wrote it down i was upstairs i was living at my mom's place at the time i remember exactly where i was and i wrote it down and i was like i called him and i was just like he didn't pick up i was like oh shit. so i was like i it, i'm leaving a voicemail then so i just like read it a voicemail and basically was like you have to hire me and give me a shot like i will not fail right basically just trying to say anything and everything to give me the job he was on a flight he calls me the next day He's like i'm oh, sorry man i got the voicemail i was on a flight come in monday at eight boom quit called called the bank quit my job on three days notice didn't have a license nothing was just like
0: to go work in real estate
1: I, I met this guy who was he was 25 at the time he'd sold like 80 homes the year before
0: yeah so and you I was just, just want like, to learn how he did it
1: this guy's a year younger than me yeah. and he's like 10 times further i love the way methodology he, like, yeah. just the way he thinks just this is the way yeah. he talked i was like i've never been around anybody that talked about things like that yeah and right. i was just yeah. like I'm going to learn
0: more in six months here than I will in 10 years working at the bank. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. Like, that's what I think people should do. Like, go find something you're interested in while you still live in your parents' basement and go do that. Work for somebody for free. Just like that situation, go yeah. go work in that job and just absorb everything.
1: I knew I knew I could afford up to six months on my burn rate, how much cash I had in my bank. I was like, if I don't make a dime in the first six months, which I didn't because I wasn't selling, I was working for like basically minimum wage. Yeah. And I was cold calling, like I was, and whatever this guy said, whatever he said, like, yep, 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 yep. And like weekends, evenings, it didn't matter. You know, I had a girl, I had a serious girlfriend at the time, but like no kids, no mortgage. I was living super lean. I had a crappy old car that cost me nothing. I had a cheap cell phone. Like I I was just, you know, had nothing, but it was like, I know I'm gonna learn from this person and I know there's opportunity in this field. So, what the heck do I have to lose? I can always, my worst case scenario, I could go back and get another job for four or 50 grand and pay the bills yeah. and then figure it out then. Okay, what do you got to lose? See you later, bank. I won't name the bank, but. Yeah, so what were you doing at the bank? Entry level customer service job. And that's no disrespect for that job and that position. You can learn a lot and you can really do well and work your way up. But for me, I always wanted a big life. I wanted a simple life, but I want a big life. Like I wanted to do things. I wanted to see the world. And that's still like my long-term goal. Is like, I want to... I want to do stuff. And unfortunately in this world, you need money
0: to do stuff. Do you ever, you know, now more than more than you know, you used to. I saw somebody put out like how, how uh $100,000 salary works. Uh, what it, They said buying a $500,000 house with a $100,000 salary and like what your monthly budget would look like. And I saw they had food at $800 a month. I'm like, who's buying food for $800? <laughs> groceries for $800 yeah, a month. Yeah, groceries. Now. Okay, if you're spending $800 a month on groceries, where are you shopping?
1: Like, how are you doing that now? Like, I don't and groceries have gotten more expensive. So like, maybe it's kind of possible. But like, even if I went to like a yeah. boutique, like grocery store specialty, everything, and I'm eating like steak and seafood a couple times a week, I'd have a tough time spending almost a G
0: on groceries a month, a month. Yeah. How are you doing that? Dude, we spend that like a week. Really? A week, yeah. Between baby stuff, diapers. Uh, we're okay, okay. We're not talking baby stuff. That doesn't count. No, like diapers, wipes, like all the food, a... organic berries. Like my son eats like a six dollar organic berry raspberry a day. Oh <laughs> minimum. Yeah,
1: minimum. Our, he's, our... A,
0: he's a fruit disposal yeah. machine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, we got the kitchen market right down the street from us, um, that, that that we do. And then we do like meal prep services sometimes, but even that, like, that can get expensive. And I eat out a ton.
0: Like for me, so you're st- so you're just talking to you personally. I'm talking at, us as a family. Like we're oh yeah, I
1: don't know. I I, I would I don't even want to know. That's one of the yeah. things. Like, <laughs> one of the only things that I don't track my spending on is like my food budget because like that's one of the reasons I work hard.
0: So you can eat what you want.
1: One of the reasons I work hard is so that I don't have to look at yeah. what the meal
0: costs. And I don't know the exact number either. I just know I see I would the be bills. If I
1: spent a G on food,
0: like, like it's just like one. I mean, for instance, like we do like Instacart because. It's just the two of us most days. I'm working; she's at home with the baby. Like, if it's too much to get out, we yeah. should just order it. Like, it's like 150, 200 bucks yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah, and it's like the delivery fee is only like 10 bucks, and for the convenience, I think that's worth it. Absolutely. But uh, I don't know how it all gets that way. But I mean, I look at the items, and it's it, we eat organic, so obviously that's gonna like
1: that's gonna change it. That's gonna change it for sure. And I mean, we
0: literally don't even eat meat, but our dog does. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually that's hilarious so if you don't mind my, my wife's vegetarian and i eat a lot more veggie too that's like a big one but my cheese
0: budget your cheese budget so we do Michelle,
1: nut- she is about the cheese life we oh, do yeah. the
0: nut cheeses so uh yeah that can get expensive yeah. yes
1: that can get expensive basics. my my business partner makes fun of me because there's like a food basics and a zayers and a kitchener like zayers are like the longos they're a little bit nicer like a Sobies or whatever and he's like oh man like can't stand going to to the food basics and I was like dude I'm not paying 30% more to go to the next store over yeah. you're
0: crazy and I, I don't know why but apparently that's my like cheap level is this like no dude like, we used to as a kid yeah that's what we did my family yeah I mean I should go back in there no frills food basics yeah yeah as long as they have like an organic section too yeah see that's where you're going to miss that's where you're going your selection is like dismal compared yeah. to yeah that's that's the trick stick to the basics, baby now that we've t- gone on this tangent but yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about like obviously you got into sales you learned from from somebody who's good yeah. um did you you started focusing on investors or how did that all work that's a really good
1: question so i think our model was more like proof of concept than sell the concept and what i mean by that was you know for anybody that lists a lot of people that listen to this podcast are probably either self-employed or business owners or some sort of variation not all of them are you know salaried nine to five jobs and where i'm going with this is i needed minimum two years before anybody would even sniff a mortgage oh yeah so and like I don't know too many realtors that go out and do a couple hundred thousand their first year in real estate. It's pretty rare. And I was not one of them. Like I was barely getting by my first year. And, you know, I'm dedicated. I'm working hard, but, you know, just chips weren't falling my way. And so, you know, my second year, did a little bit better. And third year, a little bit better. And then I finally had, you know, two years plus of, of income to show and had a little bit of scratch saved up and um, able to get a mortgage and able to get my first investment property. And um, that was the Cat P house. You got a cappy house. I got cool. a cappy house. Yeah. And my partner, Matt, he was about a year ahead of me. He had already purchased a property before he'd gotten into real estate, kind of like a live-in house hack flip with one of his buddies. And then him and his wife bought a duplex that they were going to live in. Because he's like, I can sell my single family home, take the proceeds from that, buy a duplex, live in one, rent out the other, live cheap. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple stuff. Um, and like, just to be clear, if anybody's listening to this and you're thinking, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty simple. It is, but it's like wildly effective. Like- I did the exact same thing. I bought a cat pee house for about 50K under market value, on market bungalow. My partner, Matt, went to go see it in the morning, and I was leaving for a hunting trip that evening. So, like, I'm scrambling to get all my stuff wrapped up before I leave. And he's like, You got to go see this house. I'm going to buy it if you don't. I was
0: like, Ah, shit.
1: I go see it. I'm in it for like five minutes. I'm like, yep, this is it. Like, this is a layup. This is perfect, right? And about nine o'clock that night, I'm in the dining room with the listing agent and the yeah. seller and my other business partner in that I'm going hunting with in the car in the park in the driveway, and I'm negotiating it at the like the kitchen
0: table. So you'd already been a realtor for a while, so you knew how to yeah, do all yeah. that. Yeah, I know.
1: Like to, to to get into the investing side, like I had already the basics of finding deals and negotiating contracts and understanding pricing and yeah. the basics yeah. of that. I was already very well versed in that, and that's just learning by doing and having a mentor to like, hey, well, what about this clause? Okay, yeah, well, what yeah, about this sure. type of you know. They're saying they're pushing back on closing date, but they're flexible on price. Like, how do I kind of make that fit best for the needs? That, of that sure client? helps
0: for finding your own.
1: Yeah, and identifying value in your home market. Like I was full-time like seven days a week for like up until now, like I still am. But at that time, it's like everything, all day, every day. And so we picked up that one as a duplex conversion um good ceiling height I looked up I knew all the zoning requirements my partner and some of our clients had kind of done some of them before they were that was really starting to pick up steam in the Waterloo region market yeah um because you're getting a huge value bump there's a huge need or huge lack of inventory for single-family homes and affordable rentals and you can convert a single-family home into uh you know rental property of two legal units that you could get premium rents for there's just a much bigger bump yeah this is about maybe four years ago
0: Okay, so you're like 2019 yeah.
1: time frame? Yeah, and like, you know, bought it 425. It was on the market for 450. Knocked 25K right off the bat. And, and this is one property are selling in. over asking, because yeah. I, I went in and was like, guys, like you might get 450, but like the property needs needs some significant work. And I mean, absolutely no offense, but you know, I'm sure buyers are gonna c- come through this and they're gonna say, well, you know, we need to take care of the smell and you know, we gotta clean up pretty much everything. And so that was a way for me to negotiate a favorable deal under market value. And so I just saved myself 25K and like, yeah, oh yeah. Had my 20% down, yeah. had no cash. How much in- did you invest in it? To um, We were probably all in. It probably took me about 160, 150 all in to do the upstairs and the downstairs because like I was doing a bunch of the work and I know it's a podcast, but like I got soft hands. So people listening, like I got desk hands. I am not a handy guy. Like don't give me the power tools. Oh, like, and I knew that I wasn't interested in that, but I knew that I needed to do it because- one, I didn't have the money.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I was at. <laughs> my first one, yeah. Right,
1: I didn't, didn't have the money to pay a good contractor to do it. Like, straight up, just that wasn't in the budget. And two, now, like, I know what it takes.
0: Yeah, it's super handy to have done that, yeah.
1: So when a contractor is explaining to me that they need to do this, this, and this, it's like, okay, well, not only do I, you know, I've walked the smallest bit of that walk.
0: Yeah, but we have a similar story in that regard, because I did a little bit... You know, I I love using, like, power tools and actually doing stuff. It's just, like, that's more of a hobby. Like, I don't want to do it because there's a gun to my head. Like, I got to get it done.
1: And I think identifying what you like and why and what you can really bring value to is, is, like, a big part of just being a successful investor. And that was, like... I did the math before we bought it. I was renting a place in downtown Kitchener with my partner. And, you know, Michelle and I were like, we could live for a hundred bucks more on a monthly basis after I buy this place, renovate it, refinance it, and pay off the private loan to finish the rentals, Our monthly is a plus a hundred bucks. I can afford that. And I have a property and I, i'm going to keep that property forever we're actually going to put
0: a tiny home in the so bag. why would you be more why are you 100 bucks more um than what
1: more uh, than, than our rent essentially our rent
0: plus your our, current rent yeah okay so you'll play a little bit more uh yeah. but you'll have a secondary tenant there yeah. and now you have an investment that's adding yeah adding value to. yeah
1: and so i and i refinanced it got all my money all my cash back and then went and dumped that into two other projects and that was it and then you're off to the races i was just yeah
0: and you said you had a private mortgage did you private first or private first I, and second
1: no i a lender on the buy and then uh, a little bit of private loan from the bank of mom uh i took 60k from her to finish off the renovation so i burned mm-hmm. through all of our so cash. you had
0: some of your savings and then yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and then after the refi I paid mom back the 60 k, the 60 grand and then she refused to take the interest that she promised that i promised i'd pay her she refused to take it so i took her and my sister on a trip to costa rica instead and they, they didn't say no to that i was like win-win i was like all right yeah well, once i
0: buy the tickets you're not going to say no is that been your model since to go in and, and burr properties that way or are you doing something different now?
1: Good question. Um, I think we were really guided by like what the opportunities were in our market. We were very, my myself and my partner, Matt, um, he runs the sales business with me and he's my investment partner along with another partner of ours, Kevin. And we started to get together maybe just after 20, end of 2019. And we're like, you know, they'd done a couple flips together. Now that I had cash to bring to the table because I'd done a successful project, they were like, ooh, maybe we can do more at the same time or we can do bigger stuff. And and in our market, um, flips were still, single family flips still had meat on the bone for those. Um, Duplex conversions were like a good mix between a single family flip and like a triplex, fourplex burr. And they were readily available. So we would go for a triplex, fourplex burr if we couldn't find any of those or the numbers couldn't work, all right, then we'll go back and we'll start off offering like more aggressively on duplex conversions. Because we had the we had done three or four of those kind of combined we kind of had those numbers locked down yeah. so you could basically you walk in in five minutes we're like all right we know we can net this after we turn around and sell it or,
0: or refinance and the one you did with your girlfriend is it your girlfriend or your wife a wife now but yeah uh, the one is so that was yours to, together
1: yeah. that one I did on my own and since we were the the market in 2019 2020 was still going up pretty aggressively in water the region between the value we added and the market appreciating in you know kind of that six month window for the project we were able to to refi out a significant chunk tax-free go roll that into the next few projects you know the market's still going up we got those
0: projects with your partners yeah
1: project with my partner matt Um, most of those duplex conversions if we could get you know next year's price today when the project's done all right we'll offload it we'll take the gains and we'll move on but if we weren't getting the offers that we'd like one strategy we often went with was we would list it for sale and for rent at the same time okay. and so the reason being is one it was vacant so we could get a lot of showings in quick and there wasn't any issues with tenants two if we were getting really good applicants for our tenants at really good rents then we're more inclined and this to is it.
0: after you've already done the rental
1: permits done everything's closed up we got it staged um, so it's looking as good as it can. We take all of our media. So you just
0: see if they're going to give you an offer you like. They yeah. take it. I like that. Everything's for sale at the right price.
1: Everything. I say there's there's a few properties in the You portfolio. say, I don't want to
0: sell it. But then somebody comes and offers, situation changes. Yeah. Somebody sell, offers you a price. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so we started doing a lot of duplex conversions. That was our bread and butter because our, our fallback was, oh, if we have to keep it, we could refi almost all of our renovation and our down payment money out. We could still get a lending for those as well, yeah. which is like... So juicy.
0: Thinking about your, your yeah. So, so juicy. Your backup plans. So you got to be thinking about those.
1: Yeah. And and a big methodology for us was what is our like one, two, and three option with this property? And with the smaller stuff, we, were, we had multiple options that made good yeah, logical sense. I call
0: it A, B, and C. But yeah.
1: So the A plan was, all right, if we can flip it for enough
0: profit, we take it because then we're stacking profits to go buy bigger stuff and what's enough profit like you have partners in on this yeah
1: the 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 minimum we would do for a single family flip is like we need to be making 30k minimum after everything and that's like that's a smaller deal you're and that's like really conservative so you
0: try to do better but if, if it's 10k a month yeah
1: project should take us three months beginning to end we should be about 10k a month for it to be worth our squeeze at the time but like in actuality you're more like 50 to 80k on those single-family flips yeah. and then closer to 100 150 on the duplex conversions so see, that's
0: that's amazing that's great money uh, yeah and see sean allen used to come on you he, he, i would have a talk to him he'd say oh 20k 20k minimum that's what we make but he didn't he never actually told me until i pried more oh well no rarely are they 20 that's like an absolute worst yeah. case scenario <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like uh our model was you know
1: if it doesn't appreciate, and during the time that we're doing it, can we make thirty k on it comfortably? And since myself and my partner Matt are full time realtors, like we know, yeah, you can move it. You don't have to pay. Uh,
0: I'm not paying, your I'm cent, paying yourself. One side You're only paying one side of commission, which is huge. You're going to list the property yourself because you know what what appeals. You understand how to stage it to make it sell. Gives me inventory yeah. to list.
1: Yeah. So it gets I your
0: can, name on things. So now you're getting calls and you're getting new clients out of it too. And so
1: it just made a ton of sense. And like that's kind of where the ding, ding, ding light bulb went on. We were already naturally heading there, but we didn't like verbally look each other in the eyes and say the words, oh shit, maybe we should really just focus on working with investors <laughs> until maybe like three, two, two years ago.
0: Right? 21, let's call it. So then you just slid over to working with investors at that point? Well, then point. it's just
1: like, well, shit, we've done this enough times. I have dozens of projects that we've done with success, um, you know, that we've been profitable on. We have a Rolodex of, of contractors, financiers, lawyers, accountants on deck for our people that are going to need those things that they want to take it seriously. Yeah. And then we can say, hey, look, you know, I can look at a property on the MLS now and be like, you buy it for this. This is how much it's going to cost you. Here's your net result. Yeah. If you finance it like this, this is how much you make. If you finance it like
0: this, this is how much you the make the key success factor, I think, to being an investor focused realtor is you have to be an investor yourself. Like some people say they don't want that. I feel like that's a mistake. If you work with a realtor realtor who's not, like they just certain things they won't get. Yeah. They don't and, they can't think like you because they don't think like you.
1: And it's mind-boggling how few realtors are actually invested in real estate.
0: Yeah. It's, I find that very strange when I find out like you're, you know, even the ones that just flip and they never own anything, I find that odd i'm like well, why why wouldn't you want to invest in it you know but I then again that's... flipping's a business i'm no 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 problem with that i just i find it interesting yeah
1: but like i went into real estate super blind like i had no idea what real estate was actually like i had like i hadn't i don't even know if i'd met a realtor before and like so when i got into the business i just assumed that like everybody was into real estate like
0: Like you were? Yeah, uh, like I was. Oh, yeah, that used to be me. I I used to get uh, in trouble by my wife because all I would talk about with people when we went out is just real estate. Every conversation would end up being about real estate. She's like, you know, people don't want to just talk about that all the time. (laughs) But the people that do (laughs) are like like super into it. And I'm like, you're my people, right? I thought I
1: was going to be a stock guy. I thought I was going to be a finance guy. And I still am. Like, I still have that as a part of my like long-term
0: wealth building strategy, let's call it. But like, I get so much more control in real estate. And I love that. Real estate is work, though, and as much as we, you know, we can create systems like you got to want it. you got to know why. And and sometimes I take for granted that to me it was like a language that I spoke because I'd been around it since. Well, I mean, as a student, I was always aware of it. Uh, You know, I was looking at all the student rentals, crunching numbers, saying this is ridiculous. I need to be owning these. (laughs) And then uh, and then, you know, working under Carmen for all those years and kind of learning from her. Yeah. You know, she you know, it's. You know it's insane to not invest in real estate if that's you know that's who you surround yourself with right Mm -hmm. like so to me it was like the language that that we speak but for some people no one around them is doing this and if they're not super clear if that person's not super clear Mm -hmm. on why they want to i don't think they stick with it because they'll probably get into a single family home get a bad tenant and hate the experience and then get out
1: yeah that's exactly and i think a big thing that we've really learned and that i've identified with is you only got you know a couple of tenants or a couple of units or a couple of properties and one thing goes wrong with one of them, oh baby that is a big freaking good problem way to get out. Me. Yeah, and 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 I think it ruins the investment for a lot of people. And I and I totally get why. You, you imagine you're working a nine to five, making okay money. You have done well. You saved. Um, you maybe you made a few smart investments enough to go buy an investment property, and then your tenant stops paying you rent. And all of a sudden, you and your wife are strapped because you got two kids in school that are yeah. doing normal family stuff. You don't have tens of thousands of dollars to float this property. And then you're like, well, I've made a little bit of money on it. Might as well sell it. And I'm never doing this whole
0: real estate yeah, thing. Again. Yeah. And then it ruins it for people. And
1: it's just like, it's such a shame. But so for, for us, it was more like understanding by doing and then bringing our proven yeah, track yeah, record. For sure. And I, that sounds like almost like a sales pitch, but at the same time, it's like, the amount of realtors that don't invest in real estate blows my mind and then the amount of realtors that aren't very good at it alone yeah. also blows my mind and our very quickly our businesses has turned into like a, yeah we are real estate agents we sell real estate but like over half of our business is, is investors a lot of first timers a lot of people looking for their first value add projects or like get their first like long-term hold because they maybe they've done some pre-cons that they flipped or they got some townhouses in our market like in our market like six years ago you could cash flow positive a townhouse now just like good luck so people that have been in it but haven't really been active all of a sudden they're seeing the lights turn on and be like well you know maybe i can take this a little more seriously or maybe i can you know pour a little gas on the fire and those are a lot of people that are coming to us because we have experience from like the you know single family flip up to the the smaller multi-unit burrs and those skill sets are transferable for the types of deals that are more conducive in our market Mm -hmm. um but like we learn by doing and then we can go to our database and go to our network and go to our new clients and be like no, no no we do it this way and here's why
0: so what's working now in your market? Because Kitchener, even before all the last craziness of the last few years, was a, a little bit tougher yeah. to make good cash flow in compared to like markets like London, which now that kind of difference has sort of been erased in a, in a way.
1: Yeah, good, good question. Um, and I think before I answer that, if you don't mind, can I go on like a Waterloo Region rant real quick? Sure. Okay. So for those of you guys that don't know anything about Waterloo Region, because I get a lot of people that are from the GTA and they're like, yeah, I drove through once. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, I probably would be the same thing too if I was living in the GTA. Like, why are you, there's no point really in going to the Waterloo Region unless you're there for work or for a family, right? But Waterloo Region is like three old cities that grew into each other. And Cambridge and Kitchener are separated by the 401. Um, and like, one thing that the area did really well was they really pushed the universities hard, like probably about 30, 40 years ago is when they really started to be like, ooh, maybe we have something here. So University of Waterloo, Laurier, and Conestoga College, they were all starting to like really spend campuses, recruitment, attracting teachers, attracting students, and then they all made a really big push for international students. Where I'm going with this is there's about 45,000 people that go to University of Waterloo every year. It's a, it's a city. 45,000? That's more than Western. 45,000. Laurier, 21,000. Conestoga, Is that total including faculty? Yes. No, that's students. That's students. And then Conestoga College, 29,000. Even crazier stat, so my wife teaches at Conestoga College casual, and she said that she got a memo that 50% of the students this past year were international students at Conestoga College.
0: Whoa! How? And, like, uh, <laughs> I i don't get
1: that. Like, because and then you know, where are they want? coming from? uh Majority of them coming from India because they can come over. They they're coming over with degrees. Like I met, and
0: then they're doing like technical do, stuff in they college. They can do
1: a one and a half year college, get a diploma or certificate, get a full time job making sixty, seventy, eighty grand a year, get a PR. Family can come over.
0: Yeah, so that's why they're doing it,
1: and it makes a ton of sense. And they see water the region as it the closest, cheapest option outside of the GTA.
0: Yeah. What about Hamilton? And a very similar. And
1: a very similar. Very similar market in terms of like cost to build, cost to live, income. But I was doing a bunch of research too. Like, I'm a big, I'm a big stats guy Um, coming from economics and finance. Like, I, I like, I like data. And so like, um, Waterloo EDC is a, is a good website, uh, Waterloo Economic um, Development Council, I believe it, that's the acronym or whatever. But they do lots of stuff on like tech, income, employment. And basically, you know, Waterloo Region's branded itself as the new tech town, right? And so they have all this data on and it makes sense. I mean, Waterloo is math and science and engineering. Laurier is business, Conestoga College is applied science. So, you know, your trades, a lot of your, you know, um, lower level IT jobs, business development, that type of stuff. And so they've branded themselves as like this tech town and they have all this data. And it's like the other major North American tech players, your Bostons, your New York's, your Toronto's, your San Francisco's, a lot of the region is the highest wage growth for the tech industry, the highest spend per capita for venture capitalists in the tech industry globally they're number one in so the city two. is the city itself and then it's lowest wages for tech employees by a mile yeah so and it's the cheapest per square foot for rent
0: or for build so, so i feel like there's a huge draw for internationals at waterloo
1: and 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 the thing is too it's a safe place so yeah. and one thing and i'm unconfirmed source a lady that works for um the social services in Kitchener-Waterloo. I met her at the hospital when we took our baby there. um You know, not life by itself Everybody's okay. But I was I was t- talking to her, and uh, she's like, "Oh yeah, like they don't um they lobby the government so they don't allow homeless people in Uptown Waterloo." And I was like, "What? I never heard anything about that." She's like, "Yeah, of course you didn't." And I was like, "Why?" She's like, "All the international students. How could they convince all these rich, you know, international families to send their students there? Like you go on the campus. It's kind of similar to uh, to Western." I see a couple of Ferraris on campus every now and then. Yeah.
0: And was, you will from the international students, they'll be driving
1: those. And you're just like, you know, what? What is going on here? And then I'm like, that kind of makes sense. So a lot of the social services went into Kitchener. Kitchener got the, got the bus station and got all the social services because that's where all the transit hubs were. Mm-hmm. And Waterloo, they're nice and clean. All the international money can keep flowing there. Yeah.
0: Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So do you like student rentals or do you just like what it does to the area?
1: Uh, I like what it does to the area long-term. Because as an investment, not really my cup of tea, um, I, 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 the headaches, I just can't
0: be bothered. There's a lot of competition for student rentals. I mean this is going back a few years. Now now with the, the housing crunch, I, I probably doesn't even matter.
1: No, in Waterloo region specifically, um, a lot of the big developers lobbied um, the like the municipal government to put in these new regulations and inspections um, because they wanted to start building and developing. and they knew that smaller time student rentals were or student rental landlords were just squishing as many bedrooms as they can. So they're like, ooh, I know how to get them. Let's just make, you know, inspections mandatory. So all these properties get inspected. So now they're illegal. So now there's less play for the smaller guys. Big guys just moved in and they started building all these beautiful, you know, condo style or apartment shared living space style, like purpose built student rentals. Yeah. Um, and that was like kind of starting to really happen when I was going through uni. Those a yeah. lot of those were like, yeah,
0: even before too. I yeah. Think.
1: So about 15 years ago is when they really started booming, and it's it's still going. But for me. Like, that's how my parents got invested in real estate. Um, yeah, so Jeff Reitzel out of Keller Williams in, uh, in Kitchener, they used to do seminars for investing. And my parents went to that. And when my sister and I went to University of Guelph, they picked up a student rental or two there. And that was like their, their real estate foire. And I was just like, I know, I was a pretty responsible kid, but like, I know what students are like. I don't want a part of that. Like, yeah. long-term, quiet tenants, please and thank you.
0: They think it's the uh, the how with the student rentals, because I had a great experience investing in student rentals, but I've also had a bad experience investing in student rentals. So you just got to you got to do it right. Yeah. And get around people who are doing it right. That's how you learn.
1: Yeah, you can do anything in real estate investing properly. There is upside.
0: Yeah. In each category, there's a there's a good way to do it and a bad way. And uh, so for you, it's a lot of the the burying projects yeah. And, and and that's what your clients are doing too yeah. burring projects small to medium mid uh multifamily
1: yeah and so our model right now is we will add value try and get our money back with the burr if we can um and and then flip on the side to build up our cash position long term you know we can continue to do that and we would do very mm. well uh long term though we're, we're ready to move up so yeah scale up we're, yeah we're looking for i don't know if you've ever done the math on your portfolio but like properties that you've sold what would it have been if you kept them oh yeah I try not to do that I, my partner did it once and he told me and I was like never tell me that ever again but then it was just like okay now we really got to focus on how do we acquire and keep as much as we possibly can and we're at that stage where we're battling ourselves for you know getting resident getting good lending you know our you know our ratios are good but policies are really tapping us yeah out.
0: you really got to start looking into the commercial uh, credit unions and, and then you're you're gonna have to either be a little bit more money in the deal probably that and a little less cash flow because it's, you're gonna pay a slightly higher rate
1: yeah and you got it and so our big thing right now andrew is um we're going to have to move into the commercial financing and we're going to have to bring more money down. So if we're bringing more money down and we're going to go commercial financing, okay, then why aren't we taking those bigger chunks? Why aren't we
0: moving up? It's yeah, like, like your, your I mean, 8, Yeah, the 10 natural plus progression. Like everybody thinks small and, and I've been having this conversation with people lately because it's been on my mind. I've done several episodes digging into development mm-hmm. and I don't know, like sometimes I don't, like I'll think an episode's going to do crazy well and then, <laughs> and then it won't. And and this is like, I don't know, like if I'm judging by like a comment or I get a couple of DMS or whatever, um, or how many views it gets on YouTube or downloads on SoundCloud or whatever. Um, and with the development one, I I was kind of scratching my head and I'm like, is it that when I have people come on and talk about developing in other countries and, and doing developments in general, it just seems unattainable, even though it's not. I don't think, like, because I ask these questions because I'm genuinely curious, and it's yep. the progression. It's going from super, super simple, initial, like what we most of us did, bought a single family to start. Yep. Then you get into a duplex or whatever, Burke, you know, renovations, and you work your way up. There's a natural progression. 100%. And uh, I guess this, you know, the reason I bring this up is, is there something about it that could make it easier? Like, you know, when you're talking bigger buildings or when, I don't know if you've ever even thought about getting into developing as well, uh, so that there's more there. There's more, there's a bigger slice of the pie potentially there, or even a same slice of the pie, but a bigger pie. So yeah. I think maybe one of the reasons why,
1: if, if you, whatever metric you're using to judge how successful those episodes are about development is, I think you kind of said it without saying, is a lot of people just can't think that it's possible. It's hard like, to relate to i thought before i got into real estate i was like if i ever get up to making 100 grand a year i fucking ate it <laughs> yeah my naive like i was a pretty i i would like to say i was a pretty well you know rounded and educated individual for an 18 year old 19 year old i had a lot of really positive and big life experiences traveling doing lots of stuff but uh i was like oh, 100 grand and you're like yeah baby life is good whoo wee and uh, and then you realize like how small you were thinking back then and you're just cutting yourself short so for people that are listening to this if like whether it's dreaming to make a certain level of money or to have certain things like your mind is the only thing holding you back your mind is the barrier yeah is the barrier holding you back
0: and i think and i said this so many times it is a lack of clarity about what it is that you want and a lot of people are afraid you know the dare to dream thing like afraid to actually say what it is that they want and get clear about that and we're we're all guilty
1: absolutely quickest way to figure something out though is go find somebody that's doing something that you think you want to do yeah. just go try and be as close to them as possible for as long yeah. as it takes for you to figure out if that's what you want Well,
0: and you start to see some cool things like because people who you think are doing cool things go hang out with them and you'll be like oh wow you do that that's cool i want to yeah. do that
1: <laughs> yeah and it's it's crazy how normal a lot of these people are they make like, things that you start speaking the language and and like you know, somebody that's got 300 or 400 units, you're like, oh, my God, like this is just some old rich dude from family money that's just sitting up at the cottage and they're just doing whatever the heck they w-. and that's honestly usually so much further from the truth. They are more than likely somebody that is exactly like you had an aha moment where like, oh, shit, maybe I can actually do something like this. And then they just go out and do it step by step. And that's my partner. Matt's thing is like he is very much like a this. OK, and then after we've done this, the next step is that and then the next step is that. And the same thing for like when we're picking a specific deal or when we're picking like a goal for a year. It's like, okay, well, last year we did this. That made a lot of yeah. sense. This year I'm going to go attack yeah. this, this, and this. And for us, like we're at the part of our business where like I, we could keep doing what we're doing now. We can do great and that's fine. Um, but we're at the point where we're like, you know, we're looking to build our network. We're looking to partner up. We're looking to, to, to reach up for the people that have been crushing the deals one or two levels of higher than us. Yeah see if we can't get somebody on board to help us with some of their smaller deals or if we can just be around and learn from them because that's one of not only the most effective way to learn quickly, but also just like, oh my God, you may make a friend and you may actually make some money and you may actually like learn something. Like it's not overcomplicated.
0: You know what I just find interesting? Like a lot of people, I feel like they need to get in that circle. And then there's the occasional one where I can't quite figure it out. We have these old family friends that they came over from Europe Mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, bought a farm around the corner from where I grew up you know, worked that farm like crazy, eventually sold it, you know, bought another business up north um, and they created a hundred million dollar a year sales business. And, uh, and like, we're (laughs) talking like 10% plus profit margin, like they're just (laughs) crushing. And I'm like, how, like, how did you go from such humble, basic beginnings and just uh, uh, work it it up, you know?
1: And, And it's, and it's, people underestimate what you can do. Like they'll, they'll be like, They'll overestimate what you can do in a year and underestimate what you can do in five. Yeah, I've and I'm that. like that. Yeah, I absolutely. used to be so much more like that. Be like, oh, I'm going to do all yeah. this stuff this year. But literally, if you just like, I some of the guests that you've had on lately, a couple of them have said very similar things that are like, just go and do it. Yeah, and I, I it. know that sounds like a really like. Well, that's like Duh. the robbie
0: clark thing i don't know if you ever followed him like they just decided they just decided he and dylan they were gonna do 100 million in real estate acquisitions and they must have already done that like i don't know uh I'm like that surprised. was like the first time i had him on back in 2019. yeah they're definitely there now and yeah. and it's just like i i
1: think for for our business and like to answer a question you asked, Bruce, like yeah we want to get to development that's a natural progression so we were doing over a million a year in renos just ourselves for our own projects and we had a friend of ours that was a partner on a bunch of our deals who was running a painting yeah. business. And we're like, hey, why don't you ditch the painting business, go contracting with us, run the contracting business. It'll improve our projects. Mm-hmm. You'll probably end up making more money. And two, we can do more projects so that our you know, our investment kind of group portfolio will grow more and quicker. And then he's like, oh yeah, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. So then we brought another one of our good friends on board who used to work small projects for the city of Kitchener um really detail oriented very like very exact with everything and knows the inner workings of the planning division at the city kitchen which is our home market
0: so come on bringing people into the team that are strategic
1: Yeah. yeah yeah and like these are all friends of mine and but it takes a few years to really figure out how serious those friends are and like they really want the same things but like got like four or five people in my life that are around the same kind of level as I am in terms of like business and um you know capacity to go execute on things i think is maybe a good way to put it um and they also want things yeah they want to see if we can grow a business they want to they want freedom they want you know they want to be able to do what they want to do whenever they want to do with their families was a big reason i got into real estate because you could control that if i work harder i get paid more i was like oh i'm down to work hard yeah like i'm I'm down with that and um so the team we put together uh they run the construction business full-time like i said i got desk hands like nobody wants me on the tools um, and, uh, I, myself and my partner, Matt can go work with our clients that are buying and selling. Those deals are a little bit more straightforward. You single, a lot of single family homes, but then the other half of our business is single family flips, burrs, duplex conversions, ADUs are big in our market. Now we're breaking ground on so our, so like
0: a f- uh, third unit. basically. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Tiny homes, except yeah. my partner, Matt told me I couldn't say tiny homes anymore because he's like, man, some of these that we're quoting are like 750, 850 square feet. He's like, that's bigger than any condo that they can get the market. It's not tiny. And I was like fine yeah he's so proper all the time and i'm just like it's a tiny home and uh so we're breaking ground we're doing three of those on our own properties this year i think and we got one lined up for a client as well
0: okay so we're gonna run two types of numbers right now first number we're gonna run is an accessory dwelling dwelling unit yeah adu yeah uh which not every city has approved yet uh, no but kitchener waterloo have kitchener has their hands up
1: screaming saying come build units here
0: so they want the rear rear yard units.
1: Yes, they want anything and get. So before, uh, Dougie brought in his new bill, basically being like, "Yes, let's build." Um, City Kitchen rezoned pretty much anything around their downtown corridor to be like. If you can fit it with the parameters, put an extra unit
0: on any. Yeah, of these they lots. actually want it. And it's not one of those like like London did it, but like literally but no, no problem will no property will actually qualify. Yeah. Yeah. Because they just made their requirements way too hard.
1: Yes. And so Kitchener is kind of the opposite route and they're saying, Hey, we know we need new yeah. units. I'd rather people permit it and we make adjustments on the permit. We can be a little flexible there. And so like we've done lots of permitted work. And they have to get back to you in 10 days. So the city of Kitchener mandate when a new permit is submitted, they have to get back to you in 10 days or less. So as long as you don't screw up your first permit application, you're getting it approved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the, the thing that'll stop the clock is if, if you make a mistake or if you omit one detail. And a lot of times what I would find is uh, a certain municipality would go looking for something they could call a mistake. Yeah. And uh, they just were trying to buy their way out of the two-week uh, requirement. Because that's a, that's a province-wide thing.
1: I and they're so understaffed. Like I feel bad for the inspectors and the people working the plane divisions, is because there's just not enough of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if we did an ADU, like what are you going to get in Kitchener? Um, Because I I really want to just isolate that financial decision. I've yeah. already got a property. Yeah. What if I were to add a unit in the backyard? What am I looking at in terms of rent for one of those units? Say I build one of the 700 square foot ones. Yeah, that's going to be too bad. Bed, nice. Or,
1: you, you got a one bedroom plus or a two bedroom like you can probably if it's a two bedroom, you're probably renting it out for like 2400.
0: So say you're getting a 2400 on that rear yard. Um, theoretically, you could go to the bank and get them to appraise that into the value. I don't know what banking policy is for that on the residential side. It may be a little tight still, but if you go commercial, I bet you you can find a lender that'll hundred yeah. percent
1: commercial. You can. Uh, we haven't actually finished that on the back end yet,
0: but like, and I haven't done it either. That's why I'm just saying, like, I mean, I'm just speaking in theory here.
1: From from all the conversations we've had, that is much more likely. But like, if you where I think these make the most most sense right now too. Is if people have existing properties they want to add
0: value to, right? And that's that's why I'm isolating that in the numbers here. So yeah. say like, what's going to happen to your taxes if you do this? They're going to reassess you. Are they going to add a thousand a year to your taxes for that? No, Maybe. You I don't think be, so.
1: I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I'd be a little cheesed if they did.
0: And it's- I'm just assuming they would. Like, I added a you know a rear unit to a place in London, and they jacked the taxes eighteen hundred a year. Come on, three years later, so they did a, <laughs> they did a retroactive assessment for three did they years. they make
1: you pay the the. the- yeah all at once yes
0: so just i like, get it at the end of the year last year and it's like you owe nine thousand <laughs> eight hundred dollars property
1: taxes for something that was done three years ago oh what a kick in the ass so um if you're gonna go like do you want to do this for like an existing property you're like yeah you're go so we're, we're to doing straight right up now.
0: existing concepts okay. so we're gonna start at the top we're gonna say what's the addition of rent we're gonna work through the expenses and then we're gonna look at what does it cost to add that yeah. and, and calculate a return on investment yeah so um In in even the additional mortgage amount, let's just say you did a blended increase and you got an extra bit of mortgage on it. So we're going to go through that concept. So insurance wise, you're probably going to pay maybe an extra thousand bucks a year. That's probably Uh, fairly close. So so we'll call the taxes an extra thousand, the insurance an extra thousand. Uh, maintenance will do the five percent on that. Utilities. Yep. You're hoping the tenant's going to pay everything there.
1: Yeah, so you're going to have to completely run new everything. All out new there services for virtually everything that we've seen. Unless so than you're has- trenching
0: it in. You're going to bring somebody oh, out yeah. for a day and they're going to trench in all your services. That's not cheap. No. Nope. Um, you can potentially connect to the plumbing in the existing house and run through the house.
1: Yeah, but, but if you're, you're digging all that, that up, that. might
0: yeah. as well just make it. Separate. Depends though. If you have to go through a driveway, you know what's cheaper: uh, busting into the back wall of your house and catching the main, uh, the main stack, yep. assuming code will allow you to. Uh, or going around. And I've, I've done uh, you know the busting into the wall and connecting, but you could easily, I know many people who do the, do the ladder and go around the house.
1: And again, it's gonna depend where the driveway is or where the hookups are. And in a lot of these older areas,
0: a lot of big ass trees. And are you going right into the road? do you have to go into the road or are they allowing you to take the water service? Like say you have, what's the standard service? Uh, one inch
1: again, like it depends. Some areas will have that and other areas just straight up won't. So you'll have to go right to the street.
0: Yeah. So yeah, exactly. This is the thing, like in London, it was like you have to tap into the water main in the road for every single unit. You could do the additional unit, but if you wanted separate meters, you have to tap in.
1: In, in a lot of the areas where the lots are likely more conducive of like making these work very easily then you could probably just get away with, like, not going yeah. all the way to the street.
0: And we'll we'll get into that. So so you're saying, hypothetically, the ones you're looking at, could you just connect in the front yard? Like, you could just find so your main... It's you, probably what you're going to do. Yeah, with. as long as it's big enough. Like that, and that's the and thing. And that's the thing, is
1: if it's not, then you're going right then to the street. Then you're going right to the street. And you're like, yeah. sweet, guess I'm paying for a new driveway. <laughs> it's,
0: most, mo- it's, more, it's more, you know, paying the city's fee. <laughs> like, in London, it used to be you pay the city five grand for their portion yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, into the street, which was was a deal. I don't think it's that cheap anymore. Uh, And then you do, so the city would contract that and then you would do the part on your property, which is probably another five grand. But if you're going to your backyard, think more like 10. Yes. Uh, okay, so utilities. You're gonna say we're gonna assume all separate for that. That's
1: what I, at least I would try zero. to do. Yes. Yeah,
0: zero. And if you're doing it from scratch, uh, you you could avoid gas. Although yep. uh, Union Gas, in my experience, the connection is free. So uh, why not do it?
1: And and the gas can give you an option for things like fireplaces.
0: Whatever. Yeah, exactly. It, it leaves your options. You know, the ones you're gonna pay for are your sanitary, your water, yep. uh, bringing them in. But Union Gas, they like to sell their gas and they like to uh, be very. Good about it probably um, cheaper than uh the baseboard heat right and now. then hydro or uh, electric uh, in my experience for new services uh hydro one may give a credit back so you might be able to get some of that money back for you yeah
1: i'm not yeah. banking on getting enough money to move the needle but you're you know you got a separate hydrometer back there yeah you're so gonna want a separate hydrometer so you're,
0: you're just want to budget for that uh management i'm gonna just leave a one percent just in case somebody's gonna self-manage but we can play with that Uh, Landscaping and snow for that additional unit. I mean, if you were already doing it, you're going to pay maybe an extra maybe an extra 50 to 100 bucks um, a yeah. on
1: month it depends because you're just basically if you're removed. sectioning
0: up in, up the yard a little bit I would try and put it on the tenants that you each cut your own portion
1: and after doing it both ways both taking responsibility and having tenants take care of it at some different properties highly recommend negotiating that to have your tenants take care yeah, of it yeah yeah
0: you just you just section up the uh, the yard and, hey this this part of the yard's yours yes. to cut and the other part is the front tenants and uh, that's always worked for me so I like that approach but let's just uh, you know we'll throw 100 bucks in there for landscaping snow just in yep. case Uh, nothing else I don't think we need to consider for this for ongoing expense.
1: Uh, no, I think the the only one that we would really change would be property management, but like for a lot of people that are going to do these ADUs, they're probably going to be self-managing. Yeah. At least for a couple. You can play with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then now let's look at what's it cost to do
1: that. That's a very good question. So I think we've had, we've quoted both our own jobs and clients you're anywhere from 200 to 300 to put that in the backyard yeah. and so yeah. like depending on the bells and whistles but if you're going for like a 8 out of 10 quality on the finish yeah. and, and you just don't want to break the bank too much you, you're you know you're paying a 7 out of 10 price for the for the work you know 250.
0: let's let's just run it at 250 and we can play around
1: with that Yeah, and that's like a 700 maybe 750 square feet
0: so the point of doing this was really to get at like now, can we get some good cap rates like what's what's your your roi on this and if you're 250 to build that something that's 700 square feet two bed um you know service get the get the, everything back there get it done and i'm guessing you're doing it on a slab concrete yes, slab for yeah. for
1: most of these you will we are looking at ones with basements as well though yeah. so like that could be sweet
0: because then you, do then like you could a- put a ba- bedroom down there. oh
1: way. yeah yeah
0: yeah that's cool um okay so let's say you could do it for 250 that cap rate works out to be 9.83 uh, percent assuming oh. you're self managing.
1: And uh, I'm going to tell you right now that's a lot better than what you can get on the market these days. Right, you're not <laughs> you're
0: not buying brand new construction at a 9.83. You buy at a 9 cap rate yeah. right now. So so let's just say that you went to your lender and you just got an additional mortgage at current market rate. Yep. So you did the blended increase. So we're going to isolate the mortgage on that portion of the property. Uh say they gave you 75% at uh 30 year M. So you're still going with the residential lenders. Yeah, I like
1: that you're going 75% too, because yeah. you're not getting that they're not getting that 80 20 uh, as readily on this stuff anymore.
0: Maybe not. Yeah. So just being being you know Reserve cautious. So let's just say uh 75%. So that's 187. So that means you're coming in with with basically um sixty, seventy thousand dollars of your own money yep. to make this work. Yep. And 30-year uh, AM, 5.4% interest rate. Uh, I know we're hovering in that ballpark. That's a $1,000 a month in cash flow on that That isolated decision. Yeah. So what we
1: started running numbers on, you, yeah, this is kind of what we're getting to. And so what we started running numbers on is like, okay, well, what does it look like if we pay cash for them? Yeah. And yeah. then what does it look like if we... Borrow privately for them. And then what does it look yeah. like if we take a HELOC on the property, we're going to put the ADU on and use that yeah. instead then refinance And then you're like, oh,
0: yeah, I mean, like, I got options. I'm seeing a cash on cash return here of 18%. Like I'm telling you, I run numbers when almost every guest that comes on this show and yep. we don't see those kind of numbers.
1: And so where things what I think what's going to happen, and this is like our construction business that is literally that and, um, And like additions uh and basement conversions is like what we want to target because the numbers just make so much sense for so many different people that are going to be homeowners and investors in our local market
0: yeah and you could run similar numbers if you had a single fam and, and you're thinking well what if i convert the basement a um, little bit of a different dynamic there. If you have a tenant in the unit already, it doesn't it doesn't work as cleanly. And it also it actually negatively affects your existing unit, whereas I don't think this really does. I mean, it does to a degree. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if your existing tenants are there and you're obviously you're putting a house in the backyard, they're not going to love you for that. No. And, and, and what, how do you navigate that with your tenants? <laughs> so uh, good guy,
1: Zach, I'm the tenant negotiator. I'm very empathetic, um, yeah. and very much what I would consider a people person. So I was the designated t- tenant negotiator. And, and a lot of it's just going to be complete honesty. Hey, look, guys, here's what we're doing. Here's what I'm proposing. Probably some sort of rental discount mm-hmm. for the period of time during the renovations. Like it's going to be Monday to Friday during the hours of operation. Most of our tenants aren't necessarily work from home for a lot of our properties. Um, so, you know we'll give them a little bit of rent discount. And if that's really a deal breaker for them, Hey guys, a few months before we're planning on breaking ground in June, you know, I'll happy to give you a little bit of a rent discount. Here's what I propose. But if you don't want to be around that or that it's a deal breaker for you, give me your 60 days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and would it say in the lease typically that they have access to the yard? I'm trying to think if I ever include that in my leases uh I don't really think I specify In I just, least it's a, just the building that they really yeah get.
1: exactly so a lot of these properties are going to be like duplexes so what we've done is we've done a duplex conversion on a site on a lot that has over 43 frontage over 110 depth so we can right away qualify for up to about 700 square feet minimum
0: yeah is is it a uh gross floor area yeah percentage or is it a lot coverage area a Lot coverage yeah and so.
1: the setbacks are what kill you
0: um so, so you like, have to be so far from the back so far from the side exactly. So is there any gross floor area max between the existing building? Uh,
1: the typical lots that are going to like have
0: those types of
1: things. You're, like I said, you're above 43 frontage. You're about 110 depth. If you're bigger than that, then like, go nuts. Like if you have be able a big to do lot, mm-hmm. go to town.
0: Unless uh, is there an issue if, if like, say, uh, there's a, some sort of environmental protection, yeah. like, will they stop you from doing it potentially? Oh, probably. Yeah. So you got to watch out for that. Yeah. So there's a few areas that have like floodplain. Yeah. Floodplain. So will they allow that in the floodplain?
1: They don't even do duplexes in the floodplains right now.
0: Okay, because in my experience with the like the Upper Thames Conservation is like they would, if it was within zoning bylaw, they would allow it. But if it but they hated intensification, and yeah. so if you needed a minor variance, you were immediate no. So
1: they want intensification and similar type of rules, but like I wasn't just willing to take the chance. I'm not, I wasn't willing to get a client or oh, pick yeah. up one ourselves without no, you like gotta, the city being like, yeah, yeah you got to tie it, it up
0: and then get the okay. Yeah. yeah. There, there's ways how to how do that. How many places
1: have you tied up conditional in the last couple of years? It's been hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now it's come around, I think. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Uh, although I hear realtors saying they're seeing bidding wars again.
1: Yeah. Straight up. I mean, last two weeks, our market has taken a, a turn.
0: Just really got hot.
1: Yeah. And it's like, whoa, like, I don't, I don't know if I like this. Um, no. I'm seeing 10 offers on a place. I'm like, yeah, like I can see why there's 10 offers, but I can't see it selling for the price it did. Um, oh, that's
0: just, not good. So we're going back to what we were seeing before.
1: I didn't want to say that. Um, but like, and it's like, this is two weeks. So I yeah, don't want tough to. It's
0: tough to know. Yeah, It's, it's enough to, to
1: be, be like, like mm, I want to watch this, but not enough to be like, hey, there's a really serious trend. But like, there's, we just have no inventory. And so that's why... Well, that's the supply issue. And so we could go down that rabbit hole deep because when I first got into business, I was like, why don't they just build more? My naive Zach was just like, I mean, I know there's lots of builders around. There's money. I know builders make money. Why don't they just build more yeah. units? And then I I got to, to what I thought was the bottom of it. I was like, yeah, we just... There's just, one, they're not incentivized. Two, there's not a ton of labor. Three, it's kind of expensive to build.
0: That's the real thing. Like, I mean, the ADUs would seem a lot more exciting if they didn't cost 250 to 300. And like... I mean, f- the numbers still are great, but it's like... 2,400 is a lot for a tenant to pay. Like we've really pushed the rents. Rents,
1: rents have yeah. been insane. So we had another deal. Um, uh, This was actually the only property that we bought conditionally. We had like a one or a two day inspection on it because we needed our plumber to go take a look at this shanty sump that they, the sump pump that they put in. And the basement, like the property is over 100 years old. So it's a rubble basement. And like, we're like, yeah, we kind of want, I'm not, I don't scare easy, but I wanted to take a look at this one. And so we bought a fourplex in downtown Kitchener, fully tenanted, I believe we got it for like 958 and this was just a year and a half ago two years ago fully tenanted and it was like break even as is We're like break even you know, we'll take a look at it and then you know we looked at the lot and the lot was over 160 deep in downtown kitchener on one of the main streets leaving king street And i was just like ooh, i like that you show up on site and there's a single detached garage and then a massive lot behind and i was like we're doing something with this eventually let's wrap this up conditionally double check our numbers get the plumber in there we firmed up on it and then within the first year three of the four tenants just naturally turned over so all of a sudden we went from break even to like up i want to say like 1600 a month and we painted and cleaned
0: how many units was this place four four units and you get the backyard
1: i want to build something so
0: that's a development play potentially
1: how wide is it
0: sorry that's the thing it's
1: narrow it's narrow. There's a nice, beautiful home right beside it and a nice, beautiful home right behind it. But the one beside meh. and there's apartment buildings surrounding all these lots.
0: So I had I talked, I had like a three hour conversation with a guy that tied up two houses side by side and ended up building a massive student complex, like 60 bedrooms, oh, 60 or 70. So cool and uh he tied both up conditional one year closings, so he had he had the ability to be conditional for one year, gave him a big number, but they weren't looking to sell anyway, yeah, but it was a big number, and if they did, they did and uh you know so he got x number of way through the development process enough feedback to know that he wanted to proceed yeah and uh so he just pulled the trigger, even though he wasn't quite there they they gave feedback saying, "Yeah, we're on board, yeah, and uh he's got like primo primo dude,
1: and see. That is just one example of like there are so many ways to get a deal. Like
0: think about that there like, so like many you approach ways to the consent. owners, knock on their door, offer them a price that's more than what their home's worth when they weren't looking to sell. Yeah. But it's conditional for a year. That that shouldn't bother them cuz they weren't even looking to sell. But I'm getting such a big number, it's like maybe it's worth yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, say hey, like this may or may not work for me. Full transparency, I have to try something. Yeah. So, are you into this? I mean, I think so many people are very reasonable. I mean, I think a lot of people, I get questions, people reach out to me about tenants, and hey, I have this issue. And I'm like, well, have you just literally been honest with your tenants, just like you were honest with me? I mean, like, just talk to them, they're people.
1: It's, it's a crazy <laughs> thing. I think a lot of investors really kind of miss that, because they're focused on the idea and the business and the investment and it's just like, you have to realize that you're dealing with
0: people. Just people, like if, if you have an issue, like for instance, like if I'm gonna sell a place and I have a tenant in there, if it's a single family, like 95% that the buyer is gonna be a owner-occupier. Yeah. And if that's the case, then why not me propose a win-win to the tenant? They get a free month rent or something and say, hey, would you be willing to just give your notice and go look for a place?
1: And as an agent that sells properties, like having those conversations up front is something that we do with our investors. A lot of investors will have like what we're seeing in, especially in our network and in Kitchener is people that have successful single family rentals and they're doing that exact same thing. They're going to roll those profits from the single family rentals they've had for like 10 years cuz 10 years ago you could cash flow yeah. a house or a or a, or a yeah. townhouse or a semi and then they're like, "Oh, well like, you know, I've made some good money now, let's roll it into something more serious long term, mm-hmm. i.e., a multi-unit." And then we'll propose things like that all the time. Yeah. Cuz you're going to it's going to show better.
0: Yeah, you're gonna sell it for yeah. more money. and that's you got to get profit. the tenant out of there. Unfortunately, even if it's the
1: best tenant ever, I'm telling you right now. Obviously. Unless you're
0: selling to a turnkey buyer, like unless you're an yeah. off-market direct to buyer yeah. kind of thing, like that, that's how I used to sell my student rentals. Like yeah. I wouldn't even list them; we'd go straight to people who had buyers who wanted that. Yeah, and we'd tenant them.
1: Yeah, you like you can go through once, and then they're gonna make up their mind like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is a big difference.
0: Yeah. So unfortunately, because no one wants to get the tenants out, they don't want to have that conversation. It sucks. It does. It's but awful. if you just realize that it's people and people have a conversation, it sucks. They don't want to hear it. You don't want to say it, but they get where you're coming from. Yeah. I say it. Hey, I don't want to be having this conversation. I wish it wasn't this way, but this yeah. is what we got to do. We're selling it. And this is realistically what's going to happen.
1: I think honesty, especially with your tenants, is typically one of the best policies. Like yeah, sure. they're they're just people.
0: For sure. Okay, Zach, we've gone, uh, gone over time here. Any words of wisdom, things you'd like to share with the audience here? Uh, words of
1: wisdom. Um, yeah, like, go out and make it happen. Like, I know a few other people on the show have said that, but like, yeah. I was never somebody that was going to do something like this. And all of a sudden, you you know, you get good at You get to executing one thing, you get to learning, you get good at being around the right people, and all of a sudden you're mine. Like, I am further now than I ever thought I would be in my entire life, and it's been five years. So I'm, like, really curious how far we can push it for the next 10. Um, For people that want anything Waterloo Region, like, we want to be, and I know I'm going to be in business in Waterloo Region for the next 20 years. That's where I'm going to raise my family. We got a a new baby, an eight-week-old this week. Um, and like, that's where I want to raise our family. That's where my family is. That's where my businesses are. And, um, you know, we want to be, you know, major people in the residential real estate in 20 years. So get involved in the construction, Get involved in development, starting property management this year for our own stuff and, and really want to be a leader so that all the people that are buying homes from us are starting their first investment properties. You know, we can drag them along with us because I, I learned pretty early, you know, I could probably go a little bit quicker myself, but I'm going to run into a wall. Like you can definitely go further together. And you know what? I like having fun and I like friends, so.
0: Yeah, it is. there's something to be said about that because
1: you push each other. Yeah, yeah, and it's just way more fun. Like real estate can be a real lonely game sure, as a yeah, agent, is- but like having friends, having a team, like we have a good time and you get further together. So like win-win
0: um okay where do people contact you or follow
1: you um instagram at phipps britain real estate phipps and then britain my uh, my real estate partner matt phipps he's proper english from leicester and my last name is britain and i'm like super canadian so we we get in some banter about that um we do an investor hot list as well so, like, if people just want like an email blast once a week for what's going on in, in Waterloo Region real estate, totally free. I do it personally. I look at all the deals, I make some comments on them, kind of share what I'm seeing for offers. Uh, you can find that on our website at phipsbrittonrealestate.com uh, and then YouTube. We've been doing some stuff with the Canadian Real Estate Channel, social mediation, and our own YouTube channel, uh, YouTube Phips Real Estate or the Canadian Real Estate Channel. Um, you know, we do monthly videos
0: there. Nice. All right. Well, appreciate you coming over. And uh... this was a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the donuts as well, by the way, vegan donuts.
1: Bloomers, shout out Bloomers, vegan donuts in Burlington.
0: Yeah, I got to take one home to my wife. So anyways, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's good connecting with you again. Likewise, thanks for having me on. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.